I mean, if you had spoke to me whilst in my career, I probably wouldn't speak to you like this. I wouldn't say the things I'm saying. It's only because I'm a little bit mature. Well, I feel like I'm mature, a little bit wiser. And then um, I wouldn't want that to happen to any uh, youngster or um, adult. Hello everybody, it's me, producer Ross, and welcome to another edition of Ross Meets. It's Series 2, Episode 8. And as ever in the intro, I want to say a big thank you to everybody who is listening right now and has listened to the series so far. Left me comments, left me feedback, and just general thoughts on the series. It's been a pleasure to bring you these during these weird times we've been living in. It's been great to catch up with former players, bring about memories during a time at the club. And you know what? Speaking to different players that you may have not heard from before and we're waiting to hear from them. And it's just been great. And I just want to say a big thank you to all of you guys because the listens that go on on this series is, is fantastic. And you know what? You guys are great and just thank you very much. Uh, so let's get into today's episode then and introduce this week's guest. And it's an absolute pleasure to be joined by former town striker Marcus Ben. And this is a great chat. I really did enjoy catching up on Marcus. We talk about his career and his time at town from the ups to the downs and everything in between. And you know what? I was really pleased how open and honest Marcus was during this conversation. And a big up to him for just speaking to me and opening up about his time at town and his career. Um, of course, his mental health and how open he is about that now. You know, it was a stigma when he was playing, but now he's very open. And it's great to hear. And I do enjoy his Instagram stories. If you do follow on Instagram, he does some great stories on there. And it's just it's great to hear. He's doing all good now. And this was a really good chat. I really did enjoy it. Hope you guys enjoy listening. Let's get into it then. Let's get into Marcus Ben, his career and his time at town. Let's go. Well, Marcus, an absolute pleasure to have you on, my friends. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Oh, no, thank you for getting in touch. Um, uh, thank you, whoever's listening. Um, I hope you have a good time and um, get something out of it. Definitely. So, you know, the current weird, strange times we're living in, how, how are you getting on with everything? You know, I know you've got a, a new little girl and stuff, and I've seen on your Instagram you've got some dogs, some very beautiful dogs. They keep me occupied. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, two French Bulldogs. Um, they are now uh, a year and a half, um, and then we've just had a baby now who is 16 weeks. Um, so it's uh, a telling time, it's a hard time, especially with what's going on. Um, so hence when you see me going out for a run or speaking to you guys, I'm just literally... And don't get me wrong, at times it's frustrating being in with um, the family because we're, you know, we're locked down for so long and, and sometimes it gets um, a little bit tedious, a little bit um, frustrating. But um, to get out and have a run and with my mental health and... Mm other people's mental health it, it's just good to have your own time and, and get out and um re- sorry breathe the fresh air and just um clear your mind in a sense where, where currently um are you based um i'm in london okay i'm in london um i've traveled they call me a traveler as you know yeah. um but my base has always been in london um but this is this is where i'm based and where my family and friends are so yeah this is where i am at the minute so that's where you know you're born in London and you know did you always what I normally do is I sort of ask you know about your early days in football did you always want to play football was that something you enjoyed doing when you were younger not when I was um uh, at the age of eight nine ten 
No, I, I, I was more into athletics. Um, I, I used to run for um, my county and uh, I, I got called up to England um, to run 100 metres. Um, uh, it was only at the point uh, about, oh, what age? Probably about 13, I think, when I kind of, don't get me wrong, I played football, yeah. but um, athletics was my um, first and foremost. And then I um, saw Liverpool play and John Barnes, um, Peter Beardsley, etc. Um, and I fell in love with it. I used to play five-a-side um, and um, go into secondary school. Um, I got uh, called up to play for the, the county and then uh, Brentford took me on to be a um, uh, to play for them. So we used to train twice a week um, and it was quite promising. They were quite confident within me. Um, I was fast, I was quick, I was skillful. Um, so it was, it was a great time. It was a nice time. And the, the people, the love that they gave me and the people behind me. And it just went on from there, actually. Did you enjoy your time at Brentford? Was that a local club to you or whereabouts in London? Yeah, so I was born in Shepherd's Bush. Um, if anyone doesn't know it, Shepherd's Bush is near Notting Hill Gate where the carnival is held um, every year. Not this year because of certain reasons. Um, and I used to watch the likes of Les Ferdinand, um, uh, MP um, Simon Barker, um, uh, goalkeeper, played for Arsenal, um, Seaman. Um, so I, I remember going down to QPR and watching them guys with my uncle. Um, so that was a good time, yeah. yeah. Then um, your next move was Crystal Palace, of course, after your spell yes. at Brentford. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, you're signing for a Premier League club. Steve Copper was the manager, I think, there. How was that? You know, you're, unfortunately, you suffered relegation in that season, but you did score a few goals in the Premier League. I think I saw one against Chelsea, one against Liverpool, Anfield, Stamford Bridge. What was that experience as a young lad scoring against these big teams? I mean, before I go on to that, <clears throat> being signed up from Brentford to a, a Premiership side, um, I'm not going to be, as I say to, um, I don't know if you've watched my podcast or, or, or any interviews I've done. I'm a confident person, but um, I knew where I wanted to go. I was driven. I was um, tunnel visioned. Um, and I wanted to make a, a success out of myself coming out of the background and where we used to live on a council estate and my mum you know, struggling, my dad working hard and having uh, four siblings uh, to look after. Um, it was a kind of uh, a kick up the arse to actually do something in my life to actually make myself better. Um, so playing for Brentford was amazing. Going to Crystal Palace was uh, playing alongside of Tillian Lombardo, Bruce Dyer, uh, Matt Janssen. Um, I could name some more. Um, but again, like I said, I've been so many places. Sometimes it's hard to um, think about the names. But um, yeah, it was a, a great journey, um, great experience. Um, it was hard. Oh, trust me, it was hard. Um, there wasn't um, 
my mum and dad dropping me to games and I used to have to get on the bus or get on my, my, my bike or, and ride to the games and I worked hard for it. Um, and so, you know, you suffer relegation there and Terry Venables came in. Um, of course, he was the England manager just two years prior to that. So, you know, what was he like? And, you know, Steve Coppel as well, your early managers there. Well, Steve, Steve Coppel was uh, uh, beyond his years, an absolute legend. Um, he would talk to you. He was a man manager, um, brought you aside and um, instilled confidence within you. Um, uh, and then Terry Venables came in, um, who you just said, England manager. Um, but before that, sorry, after that, he went over to Australia and uh, uh, managed the Australian national side. And when I came back from pre-season, when we got relegated, um, playing for the Indi England under-21s, um, he brought in a lot of Australian players. Um, and I got pushed aside. So it was frustrating for me, doing so well and, and getting called up to England. I had an injury at the time. That's not an excuse, but um, it was a frustrating time. So I had to move on. Then um, your next move was a sort of interesting one, Port Vale. Um, of course, Chris Powers had some you know, administration issues and money problems and stuff like that. You know, did you have any say in your next move? Did you sort of like, you know, we're talking to different clubs and stuff? Well, at that point, being at Crystal Palace, not being playing, and I, I wanted to go and um, progress in my life and my career. Um, I'd never been outside of London. Or at that point, probably not really been abroad. Uh, I think I had two holidays, one to Spain with my uh, current girlfriend at that time, uh, my baby mum, who we've got a, a, a child with who's 15 now. Um, so long, long-term partner, um, but I um, hadn't been outside of London, so it was scary to me. I'm leaving my family, I'm leaving my 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 siblings, and I'm leaving my friends. So I remember going up to Stoke, Port Bell, and um, being scared. Um, it wasn't a great time for me, but at that point, um, I was seen upon or or thought upon as the next best thing or the ne next youngster that's coming through so I had pressure on my my shoulders and um didn't quite work out but um yeah it must have been hard because the manager who signed you then got sacked I think you know a few days later or something like that it must have been hard you know your manager just signed you and put faith in you and now oh he's gone so it must have been straight from yeah. the off you must have gone sure. oh, you're the old manager's you know signing yeah, um, he signed me. Um, he was a good manager. Um, I'll be honest, regardless whether it was him or anyone else, I just wasn't comfortable. I, I, I didn't, I didn't click. I didn't hit the floor running. Um, it was alien to me. Um, I was living out of a hotel, which I've never done before in my life, um, and the, being the player that's coming on the big money signing um I, I i wasn't mature enough or 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 experienced enough to take that on board i think looking back um so it didn't go quite well for me the next move of course chef united's um before you know neil warner came in before you know adrian heath um 
you know, did you think that was your next big move to sort of progress your career? Well, get, getting the move to Sheffield United, Adrian Heath signing me, mm. that was kind of bless, a blessing in disguise. Uh, I, I went down there, saw the stadium. Um, again, big move, pressure on my shoulders. Um, but I was full of a team of, and I'm not no disrespect to Port Vale, they, it was a team of uh, fantastic players. But I went to Sheffield United and that was a step up. Um, but I'd been up north for a year and a half now, so I kind of got accustomed to it, accustomed to the language, accustomed to being away from my family, getting on the train, driving up and down the M6, etc. Um, and going to Sheffield United, I hit the ground running. It was um, it was amazing. It's, it's a club that I always hold uh, dear to my heart. Um, I was there probably about I think about eight months ago. Uh, commentating on, an, uh, I think it was Liverpool, Sheffield United, and uh, I got a standing ovation, which was nice, which the fans appreciated me. I'm not asking for love, it was just nice that they appreciated me. So it's nice to go back and uh, be amongst the, uh, uh, the blades again. You know, Neil Warnock then became manager. How was how he? You know, I've heard some stories about him. How's he as a manager? Neil's an amazing manager. Um, I mean, I think that was his biggest club at that point. I, I think he came from Scumthorpe, if I'm... I, I don't know. Um, I'm guessing right now, but he came from a lower league t- a team and he came in. Um, he installed a lot of confidence within me. Um, um, we had Paul Devlin on the right, um, who literally I'd just give the ball to. He'd cross it in and I'd score a goal. Um, we had a, a lot of good... Um, up and coming I suppose at that time academy players um, coming through talented um, Jaggy Elka of course Jaggy Elka um, oh, oh. again so many teams remembering names it's, it's you know no disrespect to them but um, yeah from that point on I, I kind of raised my game but not so much more confident, but um, more mature yeah. um, and wiser about my game. And I kind of started learning the game rather than being a raw player that um, just goes and scores a goal by himself. So, yeah. Then um, your next move to Blackburn, of course, a few million back then. Um, mm-hmm. Graham Sunez, of course, as a manager, you know, for yourself with price tags and stuff, what, what, what do you sort of think about that in terms of, being this big money signing, you know, and stuff like that. How does that affect you? Well, I think when you're young and you're moving and uh, as a player, the price tags, uh, they, I'm not going to say they affect you, but it's nicer here. Oh my God. Someone, someone, I'm worth that much. Um, the, the, the main thing for me is when Graham called me and he said, do you want to come to Blackburn to play alongside the likes of Craig Hignett, Matt Janssen again, who was at Crystal Palace. Damien Duff, um, uh, Craig Hignett, um, Craig Short, um, Nathan Blake. Um, bloody hell. I mean, the, the, the squad that we had at that team um, to go up into the Premiership was just awesome. They, that, team, that team could play in the Premiership all day long. Did you? That was the goal that season for Graham. You know how how was Graham as a manager? You know once again he is a, a well known 
player himself as a player. Now he's a manager and he got success in that season. You know when he signed you, so you you proved that you were worth the price tag. You know scoring them goals and helping them win the promotion to to the top flight again. Graham is my my best manager that I've played um, under. Um, he taught me how to go back to the basics. He taught me how to simplify the game um, rather than uh, be eyeing the team. Sorry, not eyeing the team, but you know be a team member. Um, and that in that year we got promotion. Uh, we got promotion at Preston, who were our rivals, um, which was a derby game. Um, I mean, there are times when a manager uh, in all walks of life get on your nerves or you get upset with, and not just football. Um, but one thing I say about Graham is I respect him, I love him, and he taught me how to um, actually play um, football the way um, it should be played. Yeah, you um now back playing in the Premiership, and you know you you played handful of games for Blackburn in the Premiership. You know you're course a starter and then the move to Itchridge came about you know when did you know you know when Itchridge were interested you know when were you told about that and were you keen straight away you know of course now moving back down south well I didn't actually I didn't actually play uh, any games in the premiership I don't think um, for Blackburn I might have come on a sub and stuff but um, Graham called me into the office and um, uh, explained to me he didn't tell me explained to me that they want to bring in uh, Andy Cole um, off of the season that we had, um, I thought my future was safe and um, guarded um, by playing in the Premiership. So I was excited. Um, but he said to me, with your price tag and how well you've done, we want to bring in an established striker, which sounds really bad. But looking back now, he literally was just telling me uh, my future is somewhere else. And I respect him for that because he pulled me aside and he spoke to me. Don't get me wrong, I was angry at him and I asked to stay. I said to him, I want to stay and fight for my place. He said, no, this is where I feel your future is going to be present and, and you're going to get your rewards. Um, so we left on a good handshake, respectful handshake, um, and I went to Ipswich. How did that talk come about? Did you know you? Did you have an agent back then who was sort of saying these are the clubs that could be interested in you and stuff like that? Of course, back then there wasn't like a transfer window, was there? You could just sign. No, there wasn't. No, there for any month. No. So, no, there wasn't. Um, uh, the the agent that I had at that point uh, wasn't my agent that I had um, going forth uh, when I joined Ipswich. Um, joining Ipswich um, was an amazing move. I'm not going to down play that at all. I mean, playing alongside the, the Titus Bramble, um, uh, Marcus Stewart, um, Darren Ambrose, um, Darren Bent coming through, um, oh, Matty, Matty Holland being the captain, uh, Herman Aridison. It was a big step. Um, but at that point, I got mature. Um, so, no, I became mature. And um, it wasn't just about me. It was about the team. So, Going into the training ground, I had, in a sense, not had to prove myself, but um, had to step up and be alongside these players and give the fans what they deserved. Yeah. Of course, again, a big price tag. I think three million you signed for. You know, George yeah. Bradley brought you in. You know, what was George yeah. like as a manager? You know, of course, it was sort of the end of his tenure at the club. Of course, we were 
you know that fantastic season. But how was he as your as a manager? Oh, George um, was again above his above his coaching managing years. He, he he installed playing football within us, confidence within us. Um, again, I'm not going to lie to you, and I always tell the truth, and I always say this on um, uh, Zoom or uh, when I'm talking to people. We had our um, ups and downs, um, but I've always got respect um, for someone that tells me the truth, and I'll always go go out there and give my all. Was that again another thing? You know, as you said, you, you felt you were more mature now, coming playing in the Premier League again, and you know, another big price tag. You joined it, which um, which sort of players helped you at the beginning? You know, players you got along with really well at town. I mean, it, it was more so like Titus and stuff. Like I kind of clicked with and um, made me feel at home. Uh, again, f- being from London, it was an hour and a half drive. At times, I'd drive back and forth to go to training and stuff. But um, more so, I'd live in Ipswich. But um, it was more so Titus and his family and his mum and his dad, actually, um, kind of. Um, brought me in and showed me love, so I felt comfortable where I was. That's good. Um, then you know that that price tag. You know, the first five games, you didn't you didn't score. Um, were you worried about that at the beginning? You know, like thinking, oh, I'm not scoring at the moment. You know, did you just have to wait to get that click because you're joining the club midway through a season? Um, sure. What were you thinking at that point? You know, no goals yet in five games. You're a striker. You want to be scoring, but it's just not happening. Sure. I mean, that's a long time ago. You're making me think now. Um, did I not score in five games? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Did we lose them games? I've got the stats up now. So your debut was against Borough. It was a nil-nil draw at the Riverside. Then it was a two-nil defeat against Arsenal at Porton Road. Then a one-nil defeat against Newcastle. Two-one defeat against Villa. And then two-one against Spurs. And then you, of course, scored your first goal against Leicester on Boxing Day. Right, Okay. I'm trying. I'm. I'm literally trying to think. <laughs> literally trying to think. Yeah. Okay. Um, of course you're gonna. Of course you're gonna be um, concerned and and worried that you're not scoring straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the manager bringing me in, he had to stick with me. I knew my skills. I think the players and the the team uh, knew my ability. Um, I think going off the. Maybe not so Borough, but Arsenal definitely. Newcastle at the time were a big side. Um, so I, I think we knew our worth and we worked hard to get to where we got to. So scoring my, my first goal against Leicester, was that home or away? Home. Boxing Day. Was it home? Yeah. Okay. Do you know what? I'd love to see that goal because I can't remember it. I'll find it um, for you, mate. Send it. Oh, please do. Yeah. I can't remember it. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, so w- once I scored against Liverpool, uh, sorry uh, Leicester, um, I think I went on to get Premiership Player of the Month. Um, Did you? Yeah. Um, so it, you know, sometimes it happens. Sometimes you just got to go with the, the punches. Sometimes it's not it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. You just got to kind of cement your your place and 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 work as hard as you can. Um, if you get yourself down. Um, a little bit like what we're in now, COVID-19. If you get yourself down and uh, beat yourself up about stuff, um, it's not going to work. So you've got to be strong. You've got to be effective and, and, and help your teammates. So 
that's probably what I'd done. Yeah. Of course, as you said, you know, in January you went on to score six goals, I think, in seven games. And, you know, of course you won player of the month. You know, what what was, you know, can you, I don't know if you can remember, you know, story behind that that sort of month where you were scoring and stuff. And you really just feel the ball's just coming to you and you're just scoring at will. I mean, always practising and training, always working off what you know you can do, off your positives and negatives. Um, being at Ipswich, which are a, um, a technical club um, at that stage, um, regardless whether it was 10, 15 years ago, it was a football inside um, with the players we had. Um, so I think it, sometimes it's just, I don't know whether you uh, or whoever's watching, you know, I'm going to say it. I call it flow mojo. Okay, yeah. So you just flow in. It's just, it's natural. You, you get the ball, your touch is good. Your awareness is good. Your confidence is good. Um, and I just became uh, a more mature player, wiser player, um, faster, quicker. Um, and it just happened. Um, if I could, Sell it, I would, but no one knows. It, it just happens when it happens. Because yeah. you know, you signed, I think, in November. So you, you know, you, there was two months now for you to sort of, you know, make you know chemistry your player, you know, your teammates and stuff, and sort of have that bond. You said with Titus. So sometimes that's what sure. you need, and you know, it's hard. To, you know, back then when the transfer window is open all the time, you know, you know, it's hard to sort of hit the ground running straight away. But now you know, oh. now you have. Yeah, I, I think that, so. You saying I signed in November, so that's like the Christmas period, and mm -hmm. I always say the Christmas period is the worst period yeah. for any team, any player. Um, that's when at that point we were playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Um, so it was the games were coming thick and fast. Um, it's cold, windy. Um, you know the fans are behind us but they that they want us to win so there there's frustration there at times and again like you say drawing losing to arsenal there's frustration there um so scoring that goal against leicester and then going on to um i think we won a couple of games after that um with the confidence boost within the team and i think after that that's when the likes of darren and darren ambrose started coming through um, who are legends in my eyes. Um, I look up to them, they look up to me. Um, we still speak to this day. Um, so it, so it, it, was a good, it was a good period of our life. Don't get me wrong, going down at the end of the season wasn't um, nice, but we worked as hard as we could to try and sustain and, and be as best we could within the team and for uh, Ipswich. How did that sort of affect you as a player, you know, getting relegated from the top flight? And did you, you of course, you stayed at town for another season, um, you know, in Division or Division 1 back then. Um, sure. Is that always on the cards for you before, you know, I want to get this club back up? I mean, you always want to be at the top. You always want to be at the top. Um, going into the first division, it's, it's, it's taking a step back. Um, but obviously I'm contracted and um, I want to work as hard as I can to get back into the premiership. I think the, the, the scenario was, or the, 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 
the twist within that season was the the um, um, administration within the club. I think that hurt us massively. Um, it affected the players too. Um, um, so we, we, don't get me wrong, we all went out 100% and trained at 100%, but it affected us um, massively. Do you, how much do you get sort of told by you know the club about gunning administration and stuff? Do you get told much about what's going on and updating stuff? Or is it just sort of all in the dark and you just just play? I mean, me personally, um, yeah, we, we get told about it. We don't know the ins and outs. You know, we're getting paid and we're playing and that's what we're paid to do. Mm-hmm. Me personally, it's not just about the team or the management. It's more so about the backroom staff, meaning um, the women or the men that cook us food and uh, put our kits out. And, you know, I, I had a relationship with these people. Um, and hearing that, they're going to lose their job. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's affecting them. You go home wondering, are they okay and stuff? You know, it's, it might sound alien to you or to someone else listening, but that affects me. Mm-hmm. I promise you that affects me. Um, so I was worried about that. And it, it didn't affect my game, but knowing what the club's going through, it affects um, your mental health, your how, how you want to go forward in, within your career. I don't know if you watched the um, you know Sunderland Till I Die documentary. You sort of see behind scenes on that. And you know some of these people have been at the club for years and years and now they get told, oh, sorry, mate, you've got to go because we can't you know, pay you. And it's of course. Like, it's of course, yeah. of course. Um, the only thing I can say, I've not watched it, but <laughs> what I will say, and again, being at Ipswich when we went through that situation, it was heartbreaking. But what I try to say to people, what I try to say to youngsters, it, life's not perfect. And regardless whether it's football, rugby, athletics, um, your job, uh, walking, uh, sorry, working in a supermarket, um, mm. NHS at the minute, people are laying, sorry, the government are laying people off. I mean, the, you know, Virgin and British Airways, people are lay, laying people off. Uh, that's life. Yeah. Um, it's not nice, um, but I still have a family to look after. I still have um, my life to look forward to and, and go forward. So I can try and help as much as I can and, um, and support them. But um, was I affected 100%? Probably not, but they probably were. But I can only do so much. Then, um, of course, George Burley got sacked and Joe Rawl came in. What was your first reactions when George got sacked and then Joe came in? Do you know much about Joe? Of course, he was a legend at Everton, a club you went well, on to. Yeah, like, of course. Well, I got, I got loaned out to uh, Leicester at that point and Joe came in. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went on to keep, uh, do well, uh, got into the playoffs. Uh, I had done well at Leicester. We got relegated Leicester, actually, but done really well at Leicester. Uh, playing alongside of Les Ferdinand, um, uh, Ian Walker, um, Brian Dean, um, legendary Muzzy Is It, massive players within the Premiership, and playing alongside those again, and being back in the Premiership, it's a dream come true again. Um, Ipswich going into the um, playoffs, um, I got called 
by the manager. And he said, um, can you come back? Do you want to come back and play in the play- playoffs and help us get up to the um, premiership? Again, I'll be honest with you. I said, no. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel um, the being away from the club and away from the players and the team that I deserved to come back in. And um, not saying I would have got Ipswich up into the premiership, but personally, I, I didn't feel it was um, part of my way forward. Um, so hence why I said um, no. Um, and I'll stick by that decision to this day. Yeah. How, what was your relationship with um, with Darren? You know, Darren Bent. You know, Darren, of course, gone on to have a fantastic career. But you know, he he, he straight away showed what he was all about <laughs> that town. You know, where he started, and you know, you played alongside him a few times. You know, how was he? Well, uh, Darren came into training um, uh, on and off um, alongside the likes of uh, Ambrose. They clicked. Both of them clicked. Mm-hmm. They were like brothers. Yeah. It was... The two Darren's. Darren Am- yeah, Darren Ambrose would see Darren Bent's run and they just clicked. I, I would say, and they would probably say the same thing, Darren Ambrose helped Darren Bent to get to where he got mm-hmm. to this day and age. I promise you that now. Yeah. His awareness and his skills, his technical um, ability was uh, second to none. Um, uh, so, yeah, um, being at Leicester and then um, we got relegated. Um, but I scored against Everton, uh, last, I think it was second to last game of the season. Um, and then I, I thought I was going to go back to Ipswich, but Everton came in for me. Um, so I moved on to Everton at that point. Would you say Everton is the, you know your most successful time in your career? Of course, David Moyes brought you in. You finished fourth in your first season. Um, how was you know David Moyes? Of course, he was still a young young manager back then. What was he like? Uh, Goal wise, it wasn't the the um, uh, what I wanted. We played one up front at that time. I think we were the first team. Um, that year to play one up front, we played Arsenal the first game. They beat us 4-0. Uh, I didn't start. Um, um, the year before, Everton nearly went down. So the fans were in a raise. They, they weren't happy. Um, but I think that gave us a kick up the arse. And um, we went on to do great things that year. We got fourth in the league. Uh, beat Liverpool after five years of not... Um, beating Liverpool. Um, so being amongst the likes of the Duncan Ferguson, Kevin Campbell, um, Tommy Gravison, Lee Carsley, um, McFadden, um, Richard Wright, who was at the club at that point, he wasn't, he wasn't starting, um, was, um, again, um, a, a great achievement and something. Uh, Tim, Tim Cahill, Leon Osman, um, yeah, it was a great achievement and some, something that uh, and something I wanted to do in my career. Yeah. Of course, you you came in to replace Wayne Rooney. Of course, he went and joined Man United um, that mm-hmm. summer as well. What was that sort of going? You know, did you get anybody say anything to you back then about you know you're now here to replace a, a superstar and Wayne Rooney? Of course, back well, then he was still coming yeah. coming up. 
Well, I didn't, well, no one said anything to me, but I knew I was coming in to replace Wayne. Um, I knew I was coming in to replace Wayne. So that was, that was um, another, uh, I suppose, um, uh, another notch on your shoulders. It is, it, you know, it's scary. Wayne was, don't get me wrong, um, at that point, I was an experienced Premiership player. I knew how to score goals and play for Premiership sides. Um, but Wayne at that point was on fire, going to Man United. Um, I remember going into the training ground, and me, we called him Dog, um, but Wayne and I, we speak to each other now and then. Um, but great player, um, but I had to replace him. Um, the fans' probably expectations uh, among uh, at me was, would I say, low. Um, we've just brought up, how much did they buy me for? Um, how much they buy me for at that point? 450. 450. So Sorry. replacing Wayne Rooney with a 450 grand player that's been at Leicester who's just got demoted and going on loan from Ipswich to Leicester. I'm sure the fans weren't that confident and I appreciate that. That's fine. Um, but me being me, I'm confident. I knew that I could do well. And going into Everton... That was my pedestal. That's where I knew that when I could um, show something and do something for um, my career. Yeah. And your um, next move went to Charlton. Of course, reuniting with a few of your former teammates. Or Darren was there, Darren Bent, Darren Ambrose, Matt, Matt Holland was there as well. That must have been great to reunite with them. And now come moving back to London as well. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, going into um, the, the back end of my career at Everton, I was frustrated. Mm-hmm. We, um, I, I wasn't playing. Um, we just brought James Beatty in, who is a great player, um, but just didn't uh, adapt to the, the formation that we played. Um, so I, I wasn't playing as much as always on the bench. I, I, I wanted to, you know, start. Um, I, my uh, my favourite goal for Everton is against Southampton. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we relegated Southampton. I came on, Duncan, uh, sorry, ball came up to me, I brought it down, Duncan played me and I put it to a corner. But, um, yeah, I asked for a move at that point, um, which, made, which made the move down to Charlton, like you say, playing alongside uh, Darren and Ambrose and Matt Holland, um, Herman O'Reilly-son, um, uh, Jason Yule, um, absolute English um, legends for me and a lot of people watching if they don't know them then you need to go and watch them because they're absolute great players um, Ben Thatcher left back um, but yeah it didn't go quite well for me at Charlton uh, I think I was still um, thinking about the Everton leaving Everton who were my the club who were my family and my friends and uh, having a lifestyle up there. Um, so the, the mental health and um, depression, d- depression kind of clicked in, I think, at that point. Of course, you know, back then there wasn't really much support for like mental health and depression. You know, did you, were you able to speak to anybody, like close friends and family, or did you have to keep it sort of locked in because it was still sort of a stigma back then? Um, yeah, you just said the word, probably the stigma. Yeah. Um, 
uh, I've been brought up to uh, deal with my own problems and um, handling myself. My old man always used to say to me, and I can't swear on here, and I don't want to swear, but he always used to say to me, man the son, um, man the up son. Um, so I, I, I think I probably did, uh, suppressed a lot of feelings, uh, maybe if I had a bad game. And even if I had a good game, we'd go and party and probably um, drink a little bit too much and um, suppress the feelings even more. So. Um, it wasn't a good time in my, my life. Um, I didn't realize that until now. I can only speak to you now and actually um, relay that to you now. I mean, if you'd spoke to me whilst in my career, I probably wouldn't speak to you like this. I wouldn't say the things I'm saying. It's only because I'm a little bit mature. Well, I feel like I'm mature, I'm a little bit wiser. And um, I wouldn't want that ha to happen to any uh, youngster or um, adult. And of course, you know, back then, did you, did you do many interviews, you know, because you had to do it for clubs and the paper and stuff, but is it something you sort of stayed away from? You just didn't really like, you know, you're happy to say, yeah, good result, blah, 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 but it's something you want to... Well, I think after, yeah, at that point, I, I didn't read the papers. Uh, in my personal life, there was a lot of um, controversy and um, people um, telling me what I should do and shouldn't do. And um, again... It was me suppressing stuff and not being in the right space of mind and um, not being present, I suppose. Um, so football kind of became second in my life, um, which is not a good thing at all because football is the first thing in my life, which I love and adore. Um, hence when, when I say to people, respect the game, love the game and um, listen to people and communicate with people that's my um uh confidence and i suppose um not wisdom but um maturity now um, where i can say that but again being paid a lot of money um being in the limelight people wanting to know about your life and your career uh, sometimes it's hard being a youngster um, and not knowing what to do and where to go with it so yeah, I'm not going to say it was hard. Well, no, it was hard. But um, it's not an excuse. It, it, it was just the way of life, basically. Um, <clears throat> would you say coming back to London, you know, did that sort of help you with your, you know, depression stuff, you know, being around your family again and being close from home and stuff like that? Oh, it was amazing to be back around my family <clears throat> because I only got to see my family and um, my siblings, my mum and dad. My mum and dad would come up um you know occasionally um but just seeing close people in my life through school or just growing up through my life seeing them kind of every other day or every day was nice it, it, it felt calm and it felt cool but um i still had that hole in my heart where i, I wanted to be back at ever um, of course you then returned back to the premier league because you got relegated with charlton returned back to premier yeah. league with wigan Going back up to back up north, um, yeah. was that a club that you were interested in you from the off there? Uh, interested in me <clears throat> from the off? No, I don't think so. Um, yeah. so we had Emil Heskey playing up front, um, me coming in, they were in a relegation battle at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, I went in there, I was top striker, um, in the Premier League, um, 
for about six months. Um, uh, I was on loan. Um, uh, we then uh, scraped relegation and stayed up. I thought at that point I was going to get signed by uh, Wigan, but um, politics, as you, whatever you want to call it within football, um, <laughs> handshakes. Um, yeah, didn't quite happen. So I ended up uh, moving to um, Birmingham. Because uh, Steve Bruce was a manager there, weren't he? And you, of course, reunited with Titus because Titus, Titus was at um, Wigan. Titus was there too, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Titus was there too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Titus was there too. Um, yeah, so again, uh, at that point in my career, it wasn't me going into the change rooms and, and people not knowing who I was. They knew what I was about and what I could give to the team. Um, my work ethic and um, uh, being a professional. Um, so we had some good times, but that year was hard. I remember um, last game of the season losing to Man United when they lifted the trophy. But we'd we'd sealed our um, status in the Premier League. I think it was two games before that at Aston Villa. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it was a good part of my life. But um, a sad part of my life because, again, I had to move on. Hence why they call me the traveller. So. And you said your next move was to Birmingham. Um, I don't know if I got my facts right here. You rejected Cardiff, I think, back then. I did. I was on my way to Cardiff, actually. Um, and uh, again, as I am honest, as always, and I try to be honest, um, if anyone wants to um, hit me up on being honest, um, feel, feel, you know, whatever, I'm here. Um, but yeah, um, Cardiff offered me double what Birmingham offered me. Um, but I chose to go with Birmingham. Um, so, yeah, signed for Birmingham. Again, didn't go quite well. Uh, the rejection from Wigan, um, maybe suppressing stuff, um, maybe not feeling a part of anything. Uh, I got a couple of injuries, hamstrings mainly. Um, uh, at that point in my career, I was, uh, like I said to you uh, earlier on, I just wasn't, uh, football wasn't the be or an end or it was second in my life um, so it, it it affected my football career and it affected my um lifestyle too because yeah. from Birmingham you had various alone spells <laughs> out you know Middlesbrough, QPR, Wolves, Sheffield again you know that must be hard for you to be traveling around all the time were you staying in hotels and oh listen I've, I've I've been staying in hotels all my life so. yeah um, it got tedious. I always call it a um, cabin fever. So literally, it's nice to stay in a hotel to get the food brought up to your room and clothes being in the wardrobe. But I promise you now, most of my clothes are in the back of my car. Um, I didn't have a home. I was always traveling. Um, uh, speak to my girlfriend and my baby, you know, drive into training or drive into a game my mum my dad um, um, but again it was exciting at the start being in a hotel but it gets tedious um, at some point um, and maybe people will look upon it and go well it's exciting and why are you so kind of down on what you've done but um, living that life it was um, it was hard at times being away, away from the family at Christmas, Boxing Day, traveling away, 
leaving my family on New Year's or them calling me on New Year's and calling down 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 and everyone cheering and me having to go to bed and um, I had to be focused and um, positive about the game the next day and again, that's what I chose as a professional footballer. So I'm not trying to throw that in anyone's face but um, if you ever lived it or you did live it, then hopefully you um, um, can see what I'm saying. Yeah. So I want to go into, um, you know, you were Birmingham, you left Birmingham. Did you, <clears throat> you of course, you had a spell abroad. Did you have another club in England that were interested in you or did you feel, oh, I want another, I want another challenge here and go, go abroad? After somewhere. being abroad? Yeah. No, no go, no, before uh, going after, abroad. Uh, before going abroad, um, I, I went to AFC Wimbledon, actually, um, and I trained with them. Um, at that point, I wasn't um, passionate about football. So going to Mitra um, Kuka, who's in, who, which are based in Indonesia, Asia, um, I saw it as a payday, actually. Um, at that point, I just saw um, holiday and um, retiring as the biggest bonus at that point. It sounds really fickle, to be honest. But um, it was just, I've got to a point where it was, do you know what, I just need to remove myself from this because it's affecting me personally and, and, and physically and mentally. So that was my choice. It was exciting to go to uh, Indonesia. Um, it was an experience, and a massive experience. Um, they treated me like loyalty. Um, but again, I think going up north in England and then going kind of halfway around the world, um, I miss my family. I miss them. And yeah, needed to come back. So my career, I'm sorry, my contract ended. I had two years there. I ended my contract after a year uh, with the language, the food. Um, hence what I've said on uh, a couple of um, podcasts and uh, Zooms. Um, I now um, respect the foreigners that come to England, you know, change of life, change of food, uh, change of language. And at that point, being a, 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 a youngster, immature youngster, not really knowing their ins and outs of their career, um, I appreciate it now and I understand it. So um, hands up to them. Yeah. Did you um, did you go alone abroad, or did you bring your you know your wife and stuff? I, I went I went alone at yeah. first, yeah. and then uh, my daughter and my um, partner at the um, time came over, and they spent um, I think it was six months with me, um, and then uh, we homeschooled my daughter, um, and then um, they went home, and once they went home, I think that was the kind of the time where I went, I'd, I've got no one here in a sense. Um, hence why I, I, I made the transition or I made the, the decision to go home. Yeah. As you said, you were sort of treated as a king when you, when you're over there. Like what was the standard like over there? Was it, was it not so great? Well, no, I mean, I, I played alongside um, my team, but the likes of, or like Man City. Okay. So they played for Indonesia, um, the international side. Um, so it was a good standard, but we would travel two weeks away, two weeks at home, and um, playing against other teams, um, the standard wasn't as good. 
um, the, I really don't want to say it how I'm going to say it, but I'm going to say it, it was corrupt. Um, um, the lifestyle out there, it wasn't what I was accustomed to. I'm, so, I'm sounding spoilt now, in a sense where I've, I've been brought up with nothing. So uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. But it's just that I was accustomed to a little bit uh, better than what, was on on the table in a sense and um i yeah I'd, i mean we used to stay in hotels where there'd be rats snakes cockroaches <laughs> um we'd land on strips like when we'd get flown to um airports where you know, people just be laying and running on on the, the the kind of strip on the airport. I mean, unless you've been there, you can't really understand it. Um, baggage control—you wouldn't know where your bag is. You'd, <laughs> it was just like a hut in a sense. But that was the the a good thing about it. It showed me a different world and um, a respect for people that actually are in that environment um but i wasn't accustomed to that and i missed my family after that and my friends and i needed to come home so yeah that's when you went get, get me out of here you came back and did you know that was your your football career sort of done now yeah at that point i was yeah at that point i was done at that point i was done yeah at that point i was done i just wanted to come home and um spend time with my family and um um i didn't know what i was going to go into or um succeeding um just wanted to kind of lay back and um think about what i was going to do uh, didn't quite work out like that um i kind of got depressed um mental health took over uh, i didn't know what mental health was at that point and i don't think anyone knew what mental health was at that point it, it wasn't um and today's topic like it is um the butterflies which I used to get um, from day dot in my career, now I know what that, that was. That was anxiety. That was, you know, um, not being present. Um, so, yeah. So I, I, I self-medicated and um, got into a couple of situations which would I take back? No. Would I um, like it to happen again? No. Um, but I would never take it back because it's made me into the person I am today. And, and if anyone listens to my story and anything, anyone can take anything from my story, I wouldn't anyone to go through what I've, I've been through, um, probably about seven years now of my life. So talking to you and talking to people, I hope they take something from this conversation and this Zoom, basically. Because, you know, some people, they, they'll read stories about you and stuff like that. And, you know, back, you know when this is all going on, were you getting support? Were you getting, you know, your family and stuff and everything going on, you know? Well, I think when you've got mental health and you're uh, self-medicating, you push everyone um, away who you love or who loves you. Um, um, so I felt I was okay. I went into rehab um, and... Um, I really didn't want to go into rehab. I thought I was better than that. I thought I was okay. I thought I could get past it by myself. Um, my wife today, um, 
I wouldn't say dragged me, but she um, uh, encouraged me to go into rehab and um, get some help. And it's probably the best thing I've done in my life. Um, it's called Sporting Chance. Um, it's 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 um, not funded by Tony Adams, but it, 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 Tony Adams started it. Um, if anyone's seen Tony Adams' story, he went through the same kind of thing that I went through. Um, so to get the tools and being alongside like-minded people in um, Sporting Chance helped me uh, immensely. I think um, I... I think you did it on Instagram live with uh, David Cottrell and um, that was all interesting. Yeah. He had, you know, his addiction as well and stuff like that. And, yeah. you yeah. know, is it, is it helpful for you to know different players have gone through different things and stuff like that? I mean, it's helpful knowing that you're not alone, yeah. but really and truly, it's not just about players. It's about anyone that's like-minded or anyone that's been through it. I mean, when I went into rehab, we used to go to meetings every other day. At that point, me um, being, let's just say, I'm just going to say it how it is. Marcus Bent, the uh, footballer that's played in the Premiership, uh, I don't really want to sit in a meeting with Joe Blog off the side of the street. That was my feeling. That's how I thought at that point. Going into the meeting, they didn't look, they didn't know who I was. They didn't care who I was. <clears throat> they literally spoke about their feelings and uh, it took a little bit of time and I got uh, comfortable, or not comfortable with it, but um, um, I knew I had to take it on board and, um, and um, acknowledge it and be um, present about it and to help myself and my family. And those people not being footballers or superstars helped me do that. Yeah. You know, when you're going through all this sort of stuff, you know, were you reading anything like the newspaper and stuff? Because there's loads of stories about you and stuff like that. Unbreak no, I, mean, I, I, I made a pact with myself never to read newspapers or the media. Um, they make things into stuff that, and they put words in your mouth and make you out to be a bad person. I'm not a bad person. Um, I'm a human being, I'm not a superhero, I'm a footballer and someone that's come up from uh, being in a council estate to um, uh, live my dream actually. Um, yes, I make, I've made mistakes, yes, I could have made better, better, um, uh, better decisions, um, but really and truly, if you look at anyone in the world from being, I mean, the top of the top, uh, uh, Michael Jackson, um, freaking Jay-Z, uh, let's go into the premiership, let's talk about Ian Wright, let's talk about Anne Shearer, um, oh, we could go on, everyone makes mistakes. Um, and what I've, I've always lived upon and, and lived by is people in a glass house who shouldn't throw stones. Um, uh, everyone um, has a down patch, everyone uh, needs uh, support um, but most of all people need communication and someone to talk to to help them through um, good patches and bad patches it, when you're going through all this stuff from the health and everything were you still sort of like 
following football and stuff like that, or was it that was sort of not on your mind? Oh, well, that, at that point, I wasn't watching football or or paying attention to football. <laughs> it wasn't. It, it was nothing that I wanted to be involved in. Uh, I kind of saw football as a. a um, how do I express that? How do I see football? It just wasn't something I wanted to be a part of. There was so much politics going on within football, a lot of money going on. I saw uh, a lot of youngsters going through what I've been going through, and it, I, I, I had to just take myself away from it. Um, nowadays, I'm back involved in it, trying to get back involved in it. Um, uh, more so on the side of uh, not coaching or, or managing, but more so uh, helping youngsters or even professional players um, just to speak, communicate and, and move on from maybe a scenario or circle that they're in. That's one of my last questions is that, you know, what's next for Marcus Spent? What's, what's your next goal in, in you know, your life? What, what do you think like doing? You know, I've got a new young girl and stuff like that and you've got another, another daughter as well. You know, what's your next step in your life? Next step in my life is feeding her uh, um, probably in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, seriously, um, I want to be a part of um, the football environment, but I want to be a part of it in a positive way. Not saying the coaching or managing is not a, a, um, a good way. I just want to uh, make sure, or hope, or not make sure, but um, not preach, but um, maybe um, give something back um, in a sense where I went wrong and hopefully the the person or the player or the, 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 the man or the woman um, doesn't have to go through what I've been through. I think the good thing was hopefully now with clubs, they do invite back former players. So, you know, you said you've been back to Sheffield United. I'm sure you've been back to Everton. Have you been back to Richard since you've sort of left? I've not. I've not. I've not. I think, again, me um, isolating myself and and turning my nose up at um, football, um, people didn't really know whether I was um, amongst it or I'm going to say sane, I suppose. Um, But as you see here, I'm talking to you. Yeah. On, a, on a yeah, and I'm sane, and I'm here, and I'm. Um, I mean, once this um, uh, situation's over, hopefully I can reach out. And I mean, I've, I've been speaking to a lot of uh, ex-footballers: Michael Dubry, Leon McKenzie, Clinton Morrison. Um, I could go on, um, you know. So we're trying to put stuff together so we can help in the future and then um, go forward. That's one good thing about social media, because you know I found you on Instagram and I thought, oh, that's a great opportunity to reconnect and, you know, catch up with you. And that's a good thing for, you know, as players as well to sort of connect to fans, connect to their former teammates because, you know, you sure. lose numbers, you lose details yeah. and different things. And it's, it's you know, great. Definitely in these times we're living in at the moment, you know, social media can yeah. be a bad thing, but with this yeah, sort of sure. thing, you know, me and you chatting, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. No, you just literally put it on the line. Literally, <laughs> the, the, the amount of teams I've been for, it's been at or the clubs that my ex-professionals have been at as well um you know you do lose numbers you, you have families you have kids um uh, i mean we still all we have each other's numbers and we could get it just like that but having social media and going through this i think it makes it more so um relevant and um that we actually support each other and support everyone else and and help as much as we can so social media is a good thing at the minute 
Um, I think it, well, not so much for my daughter because she's always on social media. As, as you know, uh, they're always on it. Um, I'm a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to it, but um, it, it, it's a good thing um, to reach out and um, help other people in um, this sort of environment. Well, Marcus, thank you very much for joining me. Is there anything else you want to add before we end this? No, oh, thank you again for reaching out. Um, again, uh, as you're putting out, just be safe. Um, you know, look after each other and um, I'll see you soon. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Thank you.